0: Guess we got caught up with telling a lie. Now you're leaving me lonely. I could get in my car and end up drunk at some bar, but that was the old me. Remember the night that we slept on the floor and you told me you loved me, but you don't ever think about that. It's kind of like a light went off at night That said don't give me up Talking like we're so far gone And there ain't no use stitching it up We could do the long haul We could ride it out I know the ride's rough But try us You're just thinking about tomorrow
1: I'm on the road while you're waiting at home but I swear I'll be right back You'll find some man With no rock and roll band And maybe you'll lie. Remember the lake When it started to rain, baby. And I just heard you Bet you don't even think about.
2: everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Canadian Patriot Radio. Today is February 7th, 2021, and I am your host, Critch. We are finally back here. Um, I'm having another one of those weeks where I'm busy. I got a lot of stuff on my plate, so I'm trying to uh, burn the candle at both ends. Um, a lot of stuff going on in the background here that you guys are probably unaware of. Uh, we got some website stuff going on, some announcements today. I've also been uh, <coughs> sneaking around and poking at this censorship, but we'll get it, we'll get into all of that <coughs> in the latter part of the show. What I want to do first is open with uh, an article from Global News. Um, this was uh, posted February fifth, two thousand twenty one, and <coughs> this article seems to completely disagree with what the Liberals keep telling us over and over that they're doing great things for the economy. And the title reads, Canadian economy sheds 213,000 jobs in January as lockdowns hit part-time workers. Statistics Canada says the economy lost almost 213,000 jobs in January as unemployment fell to the lowest level since August last year, wiping out the gains made in the fall. The unemployment rate rose 0.6 percentage points to 9.4%, the highest rate since August. Financial data data firm Refinitiv says that the average economist estimate was for a loss of 47,500 jobs in January and an unemployment rate of 8.9%. The losses were almost entirely concentrated in, in Ontario and Quebec, and mostly in the retail sector as lockdowns and restrictions closed many businesses. Employment declines were heavy in the services sector and part-time work, fueling the largest monthly decline since April when some 2 million jobs were lost. Statistics Canada says the losses in January now put the uh, the country 858,300 jobs, or 4.5%, short of employment levels from last February, just before the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. The unemployment rate would have been 12% in January had Statistics Canada included in its calculations Canadians who wanted to work but didn't search for a job. Losses in January marked the second straight month that the labour market uh, contracted uh, after 63,000 positions disappeared in December to break a streak of monthly gains that began in May 2020. January's unemployment figures show the continuing challenge of balancing economic activity with the need to protect public's public health Statistics Canada notes in the report and how uh, restrictions hit specific sectors and groups of workers harder than others. Leon Nord, Senior Director of Workforce Strat- uh, Strategies at the Canadian Chamber of Commerce says today's unfortunate bleak jobs report points to a need to find a way to manage the pandemic. We simply cannot afford to be holding pattern holding a pattern until vaccines arrive, she says. We need new strategies to manage the pandemic. The economic costs may very well damage Canada's economy and structurally alter our labour markets in ways that may not easily be repaired. We're still playing this game. Um, You know, we have a government, a federal government, that's just pretending everything is hunky-dory, and uh, we obviously are losing jobs at exponential rates here and uh we're still playing this game that it's uh, it's all it's all okay because we're under a pandemic well how do you feel about that i don't (sighs) i find this extremely frustrating here we are uh, over a year later and we're still doing this to ourselves you know i'm following the line and uh chef quite closely because uh it's looking like uh, they they might take a page out of uh, out of uh, Italy's playbook. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Italy, um, in the country of Italy, they opened 55,000 small businesses all opened on the same day, and the government basically threw in the towel. <laughs> there was nothing they could do about it, so they just said, "Well, I guess they're going to open." And uh, there's, you know, what are you going to do? 55,000 businesses. So the reason I brought up Chef is because they're uh, encouraging everybody out east to just open. Like, wh- what are they going to do? Really? You know, they're going to slap a few people with some pretty hefty fines. But if if there's a ton of people um, opening all at the same time, what what really are they going to do? Bring in the army to shut down small business? Anyway, like with this, you know, now that we've got. You know, nine point four percent unemployment rate. We're we're unbelievably high. Like that's unreal. You know, you look at some of them across the states, and they're not even close to that. You know, they're they're hovering around five six percent. So it, it's it's concerning because this is just more people that are going to need uh, social assistance. And where in the end, where is this money coming from? Besides, like we know where it's coming from, the uh, IMF. But I mean, we haven't seen the inflation there's going to be a hyperinflation that actually takes place once once we start get gra- grasping at how far we've plunged ourselves into debt over all of this and not just this as you guys know we focus on exactly what the trudeau government was doing prior to to this to this pandemic they were they were handing out millions here billions there in all sorts of foreign aid which of course on this show, we know that foreign aid is just a money laundering scheme and they're directing that money to God knows what. <clears throat> but uh, COVID provided the perfect cover uh, for the corrupt fascist liberals to, uh, to, to blame. You know, oh, well, <laughs> we don't know how to manage money. We are basically like kindergarten children uh, eating jujubes with your money and uh, we're going to just keep on, you know, firing that money everywhere. And uh, we really don't care. That's, that's what I see from the Liberals, and I'm sure you do too. But anyway, I wanted to open with that because uh, it just doesn't jive, right? You know, you got, you've got this federal government telling you, no, don't worry, everything's good, and then you, you start seeing the numbers, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not good. Anyway, let's get the show started. We'll be right back. So what should I call you? Should I call you a, a bullet,
3: a tooth? You can call me Susan if it makes you happy. There are times in life when being tough comes in handy. Say some geezer collapses in front of you, what do you do? We need a volunteer that ain't breathing. It's one I made earlier. First thing you do is you check him over. If he ain't responsive or he ain't breathing, or he's making noises like this.
2: Climate change is real. There is no evidence of election fraud. The Canadian Liberals are doing a great job.
3: Then his heart has stopped working, he's having a cardiac arrest. Look lively. First call 999, then you do hands-only CPR and no kissing. You only kiss your missus on the lips. Watch, lock your fingers together, knuckles up, then push down right on the sovereign. Push down five or six centimetres, that's about two inches in old money. Push hard and fast about two times a second, like to the beat of staying alive. Worried you alert him? Better a cracked rib than then kicking the bucket. Keep this up till the ambulance arrives. So don't forget, check him over. Call 999, push hard and fast to staying alive. It works. Hands only CPR. He ain't as hard as it looks. A Russian? Well, to be technical, he's an Uzbekistanian, but... Uzbekistanian? I've been dealing with those sneaky Russian dogs. Give me a name. No enough, Boris... Boris the Blade? Yeah. As in Boris the Bullet Dodger. Why do they call him the Bullet Dodger?
2: Because he does his bullets heavy. <laughs> okay, welcome back everybody. And I forgot to mention right off the start. What you were listening to, that opening music, was a band called Wild Rivers and uh, the song was Thinking About Love. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because they're from Toronto and uh, I like their sound. So, uh, you guys, go uh, go find their music and go listen to them. All you, all you um, folks from the East probably are all quite well aware of that band, but uh, I just figured I'd better mention that because I do have some listeners that always request, you know, whenever you play Canadian music, let us know what it is. So, there you have it. Wild Rivers Thinking About Love. <clears throat> okay, we're going to stay focused on this catastrophic debacle of a government that we have, and we're going to do that through the National Post. Rex Murphy uh, came forward with a great article kind of highlighting exactly what we were talking about in the pre-show. Now this title uh, the title of this article is, "This is the worst Canadian government ever. Can there be any question? <laughs> the country is an, is in an, an economic coma. The House of Commons House of Commons is a movie set. We are shamed in the international community, and the list goes on. Obviously, this is by Rex Murphy. This was posted February 5th, 2021. It's a mess. It's in shambles. It's an embarrassment. It's the worst ever by any reasonable measurement. Judging by their own performance on the most important files, the current bunch in Ottawa would need to hire a consultant to figure out how to get wet in a thunderstorm and set up a task force to study how to tie their own shoes. Look around you. Canada is in the biggest, most persistent and threatening crisis since, well, since ever. The long-term care homes are under a blizzard of mortality. There is a a heartbreak in every small business in the country. The worry and anxiety anxiety levels of most everyday citizens, especially those not shielded by uninterrupted checks from provincial and federal governments and those not serving as members of legislature, is at an all-time high. This rich, sophisticated, technologically advanced, altruistic country of ours is the only G7 nation raiding vaccine supplies intended for developing countries. As some droll Twitter feeds offered, it's as if the many mansion denizens of Toronto's Forest Hill were making raids on the food bank and soaking up all the Canadian tire money. This government hoards any real details about what vaccines are here, how many are secured on paper only, and what they have promised to pay for uh, and what they have promised to pay for them as a miser hoards gold every press briefing on this most important of concerns is a dance of evasion platitude confused confused proje- projection and sometimes just pure ignorance of what is actually the case they are the most deliberately opaque access of information allergic administration under the democratic sun one year into the co- one year into covid Our venerated House of Commons is a disemboweled, non-functioning, neglected wreck. The targeted disrespect of the absolute and central symbol of instrument for our democracy has no parallel. No minority government has ever operated with the smug insouciance and patented uh, virtue-perfumed arrogance towards the Commons as the Trudeau government This is when we must step back, their biggest sin. Since 1867, no prime minister has abandoned the house of commons and downgraded its significance for so long a period and for such obviously self-centered and political opportunistic reasons. It is much easier, so much safer, and so much more convenient to walk from the bedroom to the one printer office and mail in platitudes of areas an evasion via Zoom. What other government has parted ways with a Governor-General and to top it off, a Governor-General brought in by the world's number one male feminist as a role model for young women and girls? The same male, male feminist who conveniently loses all his top-performing female ministers, s- someone should, s- should do a gender analytics study on Justin Trudeau's cabinet. Not to worry, it has lost a finance minister over ethics charges during the mid uh, mightiest spending binge since the big bang the an attorney general the prime guardian of our rule of law was hounded out because she would not bend the rule of law the most qualified and respected woman a doctor of medicine no less could not abide staying in so carelessly in so carelessly unethical a cabinet Thus. At a time when Canada would have wished the most competent person to deal with a a once-in-a-hundred-years medical emergency, Dr. Jane Philpott is not even in the government. Meantime, Samus O'Regan, the Trudeau cabinet favourite nomad, he takes up and puts down portfolios with the greatest of ease, leaving no impression behind as he goes. Burbles on during uh, during a pandemic, About planting 2 billion trees. Imagine, 2 billion. We only have about 300 billion already. Priorities, I guess. Repeat after me the holy incantation. Climate change, climate change, climate change. It's better than a vaccine. (laughs) We have two hostages in the tyrannical torture houses of Chinese prisons. Those poor, suffering, and tormented men must truly have been uplifted if any news ever reaches them to learn that their government during a world pandemic was collaborating with the Chinese government to jointly develop a COVID-19 vaccine. Remember the front, remember the line of Casablanca of all the gin joints in the towns in all the world and insert countries for gin joints of all the countries in all the world. Why did the Trudeau government pick China? Incompetence can't cover it. We need some term that speaks of dedicated and determined, merciless, staggering, wrong-headedness, the uh, pure blind leading the pure blind. We have, no budget. we have had no budget in two years. We have spent more than any other government, by far, in our history. We have no idea where all the money has gone. The Auditor General has been denied the resources to even keep track of, the, of a portion of it. There is no coherence or trust between the majority of the Premiers and the Prime Minister. We have been offered occasional delights like the, cele- uh, the celebrated comic opera of the Wee Brothers and the temporary $43 million gift to them to the administ- uh, administer half a billion dollars of your money. The Liberals have given far more time and dedicated energy to the Derek Sloan affair, whatever that was, than the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline and the emergent threat of Alberta leaving the Confederation. Quarry serious panel discussion. Is Canada safe from b- 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 Bidenism? Alberta groans while the Trudeau government spends over $36 million for staying at home chairs for its civil service. The country is in an economic coma. The House of Commons is a movie set. We are shamed in the international community. Contracts on COVID are all top secret. There is zero reliability on any projection made by a minister or the prime minister on where we are on vaccines and distribution. Ridu Hall is shortly to be listed on Airbnb. Farmers have been hit with fuel and carbon taxes. Newfoundland teeters on bankruptcy. The West has never felt so far out of things. I could go on. Is this what it meant? Is this what was meant? when the rosy words first pronounce Canada's back. To calm yourself, however, there is always this. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Two billion trees. Two billion trees. Home chairs. Home chairs. Derek Sloan. Just a great summary that I was tripping over my tongue uh, the whole time while reading it uh, by Rex Murphy uh, of just just the... I don't even want to call them a government. They're not a government. They're just a complete train wreck is what they are. The liberals, and if if, are you surprised by any of this? I know, I know, I'm not at all. But anyway, let's let's get into. You heard Rex Rex Murphy talk about Alberta there. Let's get into that, shall we? Now, as most of you know, um, I myself am a federalist. I like Canada the way it is. Um, But the problem that is happening out in the west is you're just are you're not getting any. you're getting nothing, really, right? Uh, It's an ongoing problem. I mean, this was our parents' problem and their parents' problem. Uh, Western people always feel alienated by uh, Ontario and not necessarily Ontario the people, but Ontario the government. Um, And uh, we just don't seem to have a voice. So what Rex Murphy was talking about was what we're going to cover right now. And this comes to us from the Calgary Sun. This was written by Rick Bell, February 3rd. Uh, 2021, uh, United conservative, conservative party, MLA Barnes pitches, Alberta independence vote. Drew Barnes hears about the frustration, the despair, the despair of many Albertans for this province to stand up to Ottawa. Barnes is a United conservative member of legislature from out medicine Hatway, but he's nobody's puppet. He's not afraid to speak his mind. He, he also knows this fall's provincial referendum vote on equalization may not be the big deal we've been told it could be. It might not actually change much. It may be the case of a big hat, no cattle. But here is where the story gets interesting. Barnes wants to make it a big deal. Big. Grabbing the powerful in this country by the, well, let's just say grabbing them. The way Barnes figures it, If a majority of Albertans vote yes in the equalization referendum, opposing the system in this country where Alberta is milked by the billions upon billions each year, even in tough times, where the province just wants to be treated fairly and isn't, Barnes wants the leader of his party, Premier Jason Kenney, to to step up and stand up. I think what Premier Kenney needs to do is set up an independence referendum for the same day as our next provincial election that's spring 2023. Barnes says a vote on independence would strengthen Alberta's hand in getting a fair deal from the feds. It would give Albertans a voice. Hell, it would make a big splash on the national news and maybe wake up a few self-satisfied sorts in central Canada who don't think Albertans have what it takes to kick up too much of a fuss. You can tell Barnes really likes this Alberta independence referendum idea. He says it would put Ottawa on notice. Albertans are the ones who should decide if Ottawa is treating us fair and the best way for Albertans to have their voice is an independence referendum. Albertans can decide if Ottawa has given enough. Ottawa has to know there are consequences. Is that sound is that the sound of cheering I hear from the heartland from heartland Alberta? Barnes is the guy who sat on the province's fair deal panel and spoke out and said Alberta got, uh, said The Alberta government should be clear to Ottawa and the other provinces. Alberta gets the brush off on a fair deal and there should be a a vote for independence. Now he's planting the seed. He's suggesting a way to get that independence vote and when it should be done. On the ground, Barnes sees support for independence about around 30%. Many others are wanting to take a hard look at the pros and the cons. The United Conservative politician is well aware the Kenny uh, Kenny government's current policy is called diplomacy by some, but kissing by others. Either way, Alberta gets the short end of the stick. The despair and frustration is higher than ever. Albertans are telling me more and more that enough is enough. Albertans are ready to push and take some risks, Barnes says. Hope is not an acceptable strategy. Barnes has heard the line of how Alberta is grumpy, pinned away for pinned away for happier times. And if the Alberta economy goes up the political temperature will go down. And the province will go back to, to paying the piper and not calling the tune and accepting that's just the way Canada rolls. But the man from Medicine Hat believes Albertans are more conscious of the unfairness in this arrangement known as Confederation. Even, with, uh, even at federal levels, Barnes says people here want somebody who will represent their values barnes recognizes there are many who <clears throat> have a very sentimental attachment to canada and want canada to want canada to work but don't feel like being screwed over or constantly disrespected but he points to the farmer who wonders what would happen if alberta was asked to join canada today and was told There wouldn't be pipelines, billions upon billions would be taken every year by Ottawa and all elections would be decided before Alberta votes were even counted. Do you think we'd join today? The answer is no, Barnes said Barnes. It's so wrong for Canada, for Ottawa, for the Laurentian elite not to give us equality, not to give us a fair deal, not to give us movement of our resources. Well, Barnes is sure not reading from the approval government script on this one. It is my duty to speak up. I want to speak up. I'm not worried. <clears throat> so there you have it. There's the, you know, kind of the sediment that's coming out of uh, Alberta. Not just Alberta, uh, uh, the Skatch too, and uh, big portions of BC, uh, minus the granola heads on the uh, very west coast. Now, if you're from uh, uh, Vancouver or Vic, uh, Victoria, I'm sorry, I know there's a lot of you that uh, feel the same way we do, but uh, you're just overshadowed by your uh, your tree-hugging friends there in those two cities, <clears throat> but uh, you know, the point being that um, the bi- I think the biggest problem that most Western people have with the, currently with the way the country is set up is we're just not heard. Um, we're just passed off. Uh, none of our concerns matter. And I know um, the people out east feel the same way too. Like uh, there's there's a, a growing, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a movement of people that are just sick of the government not listening to us. And that's the biggest thing here. And that's exactly why I'm still a Federalist. But I do want to see this. Now I want to, I want to see um, particularly Alberta have an ind- independence referendum now because... I want them to be taken seriously. If Alberta is taken seriously, the rest of Western Canada will be as well. And so if they actually did hold the referendum to separate from Canada, it would have the same effect that uh, uh, Quebec did when, uh, when they did theirs. And what we need is an answer for the Bloc Quebecois. The Western part of this country needs to have um, an independent voice. Because Quebec has it, and look how it's working for them. I mean, it, it they they are able to get what they want, and uh, you know, I would actually like to see uh, the seats equalized across the across all the provinces. That would that would solve this problem as well. So everybody's voice is equal, right? But you know, it, it's looking like it's going to have to go this way uh, for for the West to uh, the West to actually get heard or to be taken seriously, they're going to have to get almost to the point of separation, unfortunately. And um, it's just sad to see, right? You know, and we, and you, you don't expect anything less from the the corrupt-ass liberals. They're never going to, to uh, see that, you know, every Canadian should have an equal voice. They don't want that. They are the Laurentian elite, the liberals. We know that for sure. And, you know, like Rex Murphy described, what a, what a disgrace of a government is the best way to, to describe it. But anyway, <clears throat> I just wanted to just, you know, highlight what, what is kind of going on here within the country, um, as we've got listeners from all over the country and, you know, whether you agree or disagree, uh, it's obviously something that needs to be talked about. So let's carry on here, everybody. Okay. Let's move into, um, a strange trend <clears throat> that we are starting to note, uh, with our returning travelers. Um, I know a lot of you've have probably already seen all this but I wanted to cover it because it's just uh, it just goes to show how deep the lies are that Trudeau is spewing. Now this comes to us from the Toronto Sun and the title is Warmington Man Forced Into Detention Center in Canada COVID Hotel. This is by Joe Warmington, uh, February 3rd 2021. You will have to forgive Steve Deusing for not believing there are no COVID-19 internment centers in Canada. I'm in one," the 34-year-old Scarborough man told the Toronto Sun on Tuesday. Not by choice. I was told when I arrived at Pearson International Airport Sunday night from Charlotte that it was either three days in quarantine or go to jail. So he, so he was escorted, uh, excuse me, he, so he was escorted, escorted on a shuttle bus from Pearson to the nearby Radisson Hotel on Dixon Road. But this is is no way. A normal hotel stay. I'm not allowed to leave the room, he said. There is a guard at the end of the hall. So he must remain in a ninth floor hotel room while waiting for the results of a COVID test he was forced to take. Joined by the award-winning photographer Jack Boland, I interviewed Steve on the phone from the parking lot as we looked at him through the window of his room where he could see Tim Hortons, Harvey's, Subway and Swiss Chalet. But I was told I can't order in food, said Steve. He's effectively incarcerated. It feels like that, he said. I don't have any say in it. The worst part is before he left from visiting a friend in North Carolina, he got a COVID-19 test that is required by the new rules. It cost me 130 bucks. he said. I tested negative. Deucing said... His his ordeal began when the Public Health Agency of Canada didn't accept this rapid test in order and ordered him detained until the results of the new of their own test were known. The agency did not respond to the son's request for comment. I was escorted by police to a shuttle uh, to a shuttle bus and then taken to this hotel which is fenced off from the public. It's definitely it definitely has a detention center feel to it. There is a barrier preventing anybody from coming and going, and the security detail checks every every vehicle entering the property. It's a lonely, solitary existence, added Steve. I should be allowed to leave at 10 p.m. tonight, Tuesday. This doesn't seem legal in a free country. It also seems punitive. If he has a fever or cough, perhaps precautionary measures of some kind could be taken but taking away someone's liberty is obscene. It feels like a violation of basic human rights in a country that uh, purports to champion such freedoms. A notice in his room said, you must remain in your assigned room and are required to limit face-to-face contact with others outside of your immediate room assignment. Just like a prisoner, he gets water sent up and a sandwich. I don't have any symptoms, said Steve. I am angry but other than that i'm fine but he worries about the eight other people taken off his american airlines flight and dozens of others inside this hotel some cried and said they would lose their jobs or didn't have babysitters he said there was no leniency there was no uh, no long they were no longer free they were ordered into government custody it's very annoying but i could imagine going through this with a family or having but i couldn't imagine going through this with a family or having people waiting for me he said the big question is will he have to pay to be forced into this hotel prime minister justin trudeau said people will have to finance their own mandatory hotel quarantines uh, quarantine when travelers land at pearson i haven't signed anything or agreed to pay for anything and i won't he said I think I got lucky and arrived the last day before you had to start paying because Trudeau said people will have to pay 2000 to 3000 to stay the 3 days to cover the cost of security, doctors and food. Whatever it costs, it's not a hotel stay but a but a bizarre pandemic rendition into a Canadian COVID containment hotel. What are your thoughts on this everybody? This is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. Like, are we under the illusion we're free still everybody when stuff like this is going on and they have the audacity to tell you that you're going to pay for it get fucked is exactly what I would say to Justin Trudeau (laughs) suck my blank right if you are going to detain me here you're covering the cost because I certainly am not and I think everybody here actually and this article points it out there's probably punitive damages involved here and I would, I would be suing. Like, you're like, oh man! I hope the Steve Doosing du- does actually sue because this is a- absolutely outrageous to basically hold you against your will and then have the audacity to make you pay for it. Uh, uh-uh. not happening. I'm very interested to see where this goes because I think, uh, I think there are actually cases here, um, and I hope that these people do uh, do press charges. I, you know, I would go as far as to say to Justin Trudeau himself, like I'd, I'd love to see lawsuits brought against Justin Trudeau over this, because this is just absolute crap, you know. Especially if they had, if they had COVID tests and they're just failing to recognize them, then all the health authorities that are that are in on that decision need to be slapped with lawsuits too. Anyway, <clears throat> there's another story that I wanted to cover that uh, we have kind of been talking about in an and a roundabout way here. Um, And uh, this comes to us from CBC, our absolute favorite, (laughs) our favorite media. So I'm sure they're going to run a cover on this. But the title is Cancer that went undetected during the pandemic is an impending disaster, specialist warns. Screening tests and diagnostic procedures for some cancers drop off sharply during the first COVID-19 wave. This is by Leah Hendry. Uh, It was posted February 2nd, 2021. Cancer specialists are bracing for a wave of patients suffering from more advanced disease due to delays in both screening and diagnostic testing during the pandemic. About 60,000 Quebecers have received a cancer diagnosis in any given year. But according to a report released by the Quebec Ministry of Health last month, an estimated 4,100 people have gone undiagnosed between March and July 2020, as the health system grappled with the first wave of COVID-19 pandemic. Some people may have put off seeking medical attention because they were afraid of the virus. Others likely faced delays in getting routine screenings or biopsies. At Montreal's Cedar Cancer Centre, there were 20% fewer diagnoses in 2020 relative to the previous year. My fear is over the next few months, we will see a significant increase in patients newly diagnosed with cancer, said Dr. Apricain, sorry Aprikayan who is the center's medical director and the chief of cancer care at the McGill University Health Centre. Data is still being gathered, but since the fall, Aprican said several surgeons, oncologists and hematologists have noted seeing patients with more complex or advanced stage cancers. The cases often require multiple treatments or more difficult surgeries. The economics on the health system in managing these extra treatments for patients who otherwise would have perhaps been cured, all of this is going to be additive, said abrican <clears throat> The impact is going to be significant, but down the road. <clears throat> the first wave priority, COVID-19. Last spring, the province halted non-urgent surgeries, fearing hospitals would be overwhelmed by COVID-19 patients. Semi-urgent and urgent cancers, cancer surgeries were prioritized but there were significant slowdowns when it came to screening. The province breast screening program was completely suspended for several months during the first wave of the pandemic. According to the Ministry of Health, about 91,000 fewer mammograms were done in April and December uh, of 2020 compared to the previous year. Collectoral cancer screening typically prescribed by a doctor to look for blood in the stool dropped by 74% last spring. In the event that test returns to a positive resu- uh, in the event that test returns, a positive result, in the next step is a colonoscopy, which can detect polyps, tumors and abnormalities, but the volume of colonoscopies dropped by 66 percent for the same time period. Biopsies, biopsies and scans were delayed, and some cancer treatments were swapped for oral medications that could be taken at home, or radiation therapy. The objective being to free up staff and save operating room time for patients who didn't have alternatives. As we know, hospitals did not end up bearing the brunt of the novel coronavirus during the first wave. Instead, it swept through the province's long-term health care homes, killing thousands of vulnerable seniors. Very good point there. Almost by design, wasn't it, friends? For cancer patients, the delays have created created a lot of anxiety. A recent study by Canadian and British researchers found there was a significant impact on a person's mortality if their treatment was delayed. The authors found that every month of delay, the risks of dying increased on average by 10%. At the Jewish General Hospital, doctors say they are already seeing the repercussions of the slowdown newly diagnosed lymphomas and leukemias at a much more advanced stage, breast cancer as well, where people had just kept these things to themselves and managed symptoms, said Dr. Gerald Batiste, uh, medical director of the, of, of the hospital's Segal Cancer Center. When more cancer cases are diagnosed, the rise requires a higher capacity for both chemotherapy and surgery. We see an impending disaster, said Batiste, who is eager for the province to come up with a cancer plan. We see a crisis that will that will have all the makings of a crisis in the long-term care facilities. During the summer, services gradually resumed and private clinics were contracted to perform day surgeries as well as colonoscopies and imaging to help tackle the backlog. But Batiste said the, uh, the Seagal Centre hasn't recovered from the first wave of the, of the virus. We're not able to pick up the slack, both in terms of screening or surgeries, because we were depleted in terms of operating technicians and nursing, and that's following through into the second wave, said Batiste. <clears throat> Once Quebec emer- uh, emerges from the second wave, Batiste said extra money will be needed to hire more nurses and extend clinic hours onto evenings and weekends. As it stands, the uh, the province's hospitals as a whole are functioning at about 50% of their regular capacity. Although many on the island of Montreal have restricted their activities to as little as 30% of the normal caseload. On Friday, the Health Department Assistant Deputy uh, Minister in Charge of Hospitals, Dr. Lucy O'Partney, Sent a letter to the administration asking them for proposals for gradual ramping up of non-urgent procedures. The clouds may be starting to lift. The question is how many damage, how much damage has been wrought by the storm? While cancer specialists and uh, cancels, uh, excuse me, while cancer specialists and advocacy advocacy group wait for targeted provincial cancer plans. There are encouraging. Pe- uh, they are encouraging people to see their doctor if they have symptoms. More than half the patients diagnosed with uh, colorectal um, cancer are already at stage three or four of the di- of the disease by the time it is dis- detected, which means it has usually spread to other parts of the body, said Ben Stein, president of the col- collectoral, collectoral Cancer Canada. Although he finds uh, the delays distressing, Stein hopes the grim reality of the statistics forces the province to rethink the way healthcare is delivered. We have a plan for the future, not just being reactive, said Stein. He'd like to see the province launch a population-based screening program for colorectal cancer, rather than relying on doctor visits to prescribe the test. The government would send letters inviting people to get screened every two years once they turn 50. If the test is positive, it would be followed up with a colonoscopy appointment. It's the only cancer you could prevent before it happens, said Stein. According to the Ministry of Health, 60,000 fewer colonoscopies were done between April 2020 and the beginning of January than over the same period the previous year. To deal with the backlog, he'd like to see the province consider consider opening private clinics which exist in Ontario and are covered by health insurance. In terms of the bigger picture, he believes it is time to expand the definition of cancer care to go beyond hospitals. While it makes sense for hospitals to oversee more complex cases, treatment and surgeries once the patient is in remission, those with early stage cancer or at low risk of reoccurrence could be treated at the community level. Your general practitioner could look after you instead of having to go to the hospital said Stein. Why clog up the system with oncology, uh, with the oncology department? These patients could be followed or monitored at what Stein refers to as survivorship clinics, where blood work, colonoscopy, or radiology could be done. If we want to build a more resilient healthcare system, he said, this is the time. Well, that's actually a very fair article from uh, from the CBC. And, you know, like you guys have probably heard me say in the past, every now and then you get gems from them. You've got some reporters within the CBC that t- seem to uh, tip towards the truth a little bit more than the rest of the, the, the organization. But anyway, uh, back to this story. And back to, you know, I, I sound like a broken record when I say this, but I think every single person... That missed was misdiagnosed or did not get a cancer diagnosed, uh, get cancer diagnosed when it should have been because of these so-called first and second waves of COVID nineteen that were supposedly bogging down our health care sy- um, our healthcare system, which it doesn't look like it was at all to anybody actually paying attention. Not to mention you had people going into hospitals all over the country filming it and they were fucking empty. I think every one of these people that has a has a case. I think they should be suing. Uh, Like, I honestly believe that uh, maybe the way we can get justice back into this country is by people actually suing uh, central authority over this stuff. Because this is just ridiculous. You're going to have deaths now if you haven't, you know, because of cancer, because of these so-called heavy air quotes, first and second waves that never fucking happened. And it pisses me off. Because cancer affects every single family in this country. It doesn't discriminate. It takes, down, it, doesn't, it, it, it takes down people in their prime and it takes down people past their prime and before their prime. And the fact that cancer has gone from 1 in 8 in the 1970s to now 1 in 2 in the 2000s, 2020s now is alarming. And it really makes you wonder what the hell the cancer research foundations that people donate to have been doing For the last hundred fucking years. Besides squandering your money and doing absolutely nothing. But it pisses me off because cancer has affected my family as well as yours and everybody's family. And now because of a fake pandemic, we're going to see more people dying from this. And it gets under my skin. And I want to see the families of these people or these people themselves suing central authority over this. And I'd love to see these people getting millions. Rather than seeing it thrown out to the world in, in forms of foreign aid, I would like to see people take the power back into their own hands and sue their own damn government and get the millions back into this country. If it has to be through lawsuits, then so be it. But this, this, t- as you can tell, absolutely disgusts me and it pisses me off to no, la- no end. So I'm ranting. <laughs> but i i just absolutely i despise everything about this whole pandemic and now that you're going to see you're going to see good people dying because of, as a result of this not that you haven't because of um covid-19 and so on and so forth like you heard in the in some of the articles that we talked about how it went into the long-term long-term care facilities first and now they're vaccinating the, our our elderly with this so-called vaccine that is killing them Frustration doesn't begin to even describe how I feel about this whole disaster. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to direct your attention to the Canadian frontline nurses. Um, they put up a great post. We're going to listen to as much of this as we can. It's it's over an hour and a half long, but uh, the the girls make uh, terrific points right off the very beginning. So we're going to listen to quite a bit of this, uh, or as much of this as we possibly can, and uh, and then we'll comment after. So let's let's hear, let's hear what they have to say.
4: Greetings, my name is Sarah, and I'm Kristen. and we are the proud founders of Canadian Frontline Nurses, a new branch under the umbrella of Global Frontline Nurses. We want to welcome you to our first event, which is this Canadian press conference. As the Canadian Frontline Nurses, our mission is to unite Canadian nurses so our voices can be heard to speak against these draconian measures that are currently in place in efforts to uphold our oath to do no harm. Our vision is to restore our freedoms and rights as Canadian citizens and reinstate the four ethical principles of autonomy, beneficence, non-maleficence, and justice within nursing. And this is why we're here, united today, standing before you, risking it all.
5: We are here to stand up for the truth. We are the eyes, the ears, and the heartbeat of hospitals. Many of us have lost our jobs and our licenses are being threatened. We are sharing the truth with you, whatever the cost may be. Our voices will not be silenced. In fact, this has only made us louder, stronger, and more united. We were taught in nursing to be critical thinkers, to follow evidence-based best practice, to ask questions, and to advocate for our patients' health We have come to realize this means only if it follows the narrative. We are not to question anything that goes against it, and if we do, we are reprimanded and silenced. And this is why so many are unable to speak up. As nurses, we have all pledged with Florence Nightingale, before God, and in the presence of this assembly, to pass our lives in purity and practice our profession faithfully, agreeing to never take or administer any harmful drug. By committing to elevate the standard of our profession, we must recognize that we are the first and last defense in our society for decency, integrity, and compassion. We have the first and last opportunity to do the honorable and dignified thing for people. I know we can all be an example to the rest of the world. Nurses and healthcare professionals, it is our time to rise, to stand for a better world and to take action daily in the practice of our sacred calling. We must follow our promise, devoting ourselves to the welfare of those committed
4: to our care. We have an exceptionally powerful lineup of speakers for you today. Please listen Mm -hmm. with an open mind and heart. It's time we start having hard conversations and listening to the people who are being censored. My name is Sarah Shijunian. I've been a nurse since 2004. I've worked in a nursing home for the greater part of my career. I also held the position of chief steward when I was fired for posting about the truth and my beliefs about the lockdowns online. They tried to silence me, but what they didn't realize is that trying to shut me up would only make me louder. I decided to channel my rage and put it to something positive. Therefore, I spoke out at the protests and founded Nurses Against Lockdowns. When you work in a nursing home, it's easy to see that the government doesn't put much value on these seniors. Did you know that each resident in a nursing home here in Ontario gets an allowance of $9 for food a day compared to $15 for prisoners? That's how much they care about our most sick elderly. Nursing homes were hit the hardest with residents being isolated from their families for over 10 months now. Public health is calling outbreaks front, back, and center. Often with no one having any symptoms. That means that every resident must stay in their rooms for a period of up to 14 days. It's devastating. Our elderly are being treated like prisoners in solitary confinement. The lockdowns have been detrimental to their well being. They are deteriorating at a faster than normal pace. Many are dying of failure to thrive, and others are dying alone of broken hearts. The elderly do not want to stay alive at all costs, they want quality of life and to be close to their families and caregivers. Studies show that the more social and emotional engagement people have, the more resistant they are to viruses. So why on earth are we doing the opposite of what we know to be right? These are crimes against humanity. Nobody has the right to tell us when and where we see our loved ones, Mm -hmm. ever. As if this is not enough, now we are being told that residents will be in the first to get this unsafe experimental vaccine. Dr. Kelly Moore, the Associate Director of the Immunization Action Coalition had the audacity to inform us not to be alarmed if one or multiple people die in nursing homes within a day or two of receiving the vaccine. How crazy is that? We shut down the entire world to protect these vulnerable people and now we're going to inject them with something that might kill them to protect them? It's insane. We have safe treatments for this. There is no need for risking lives unnecessarily. Dr. Sebi once said, quote, a society that keeps cures a secret so that they can continue to sell medication for huge profit is not a real society but a huge mental asylum, end quote. I strongly recommend for those of you who can, please get your parents and grandparents out of these facilities and bring them home. It will make a world of difference to their well being. Our elderly are not just useless eaters who should be used for profit. They are extremely precious, filled with love, wisdom, and experience. They've been there for us all along. Now they need us. They need for us to speak for them. This must stop now. Another group of major concern is people with mental health issues. This one hits really close to home for me. I'm a survivor and advocate for child sexual abuse. Many of the people I love the most have struggled with mental health, myself included. Due to the fear financial instability and isolation that the lockdowns are creating, we are seeing a significant rise in depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder and substance abuse. There's been an increase in overdoses and suicide, with CAMH predicting up to 2,114 excess deaths by suicide from unemployment only in Canada by the end of 2021. What about those lives? Don't they matter? Before the lockdown, I was in the best place of my life. I've been completely sober for a few years. Their programs helped me so much that I became a facilitator there and even started my own organization called Lighting Up Dark Corners to Empower Survivors. I felt unstoppable until the pandemic hit. I have complex post-traumatic stress disorder and some of my biggest triggers.
2: So you kind of get the point. <clears throat> um, she covered some good, uh, some good uh, points there of, of what's going on in the nursing homes. Now, I just want to try and skip ahead because um, There's just a lot of solid gold in here, and I know we're getting close to an hour here, but we're gonna probably run over a little bit today just because.
4: Our next speaker is Dr. Steven Malthouse.
1: Hello, I'm a medical doctor from British Columbia, Canada. I've been in practice as a doctor for 42 years, mostly family practice, but I have worked in palliative care, emergency, rural and urban settings. So I feel that my personal experience with medicine is quite broad and I've been in the business for a long time. What I'd like to talk about is the, uh, the COVID vaccines that are coming to us here in Canada and are being rolled out very fast. They're not really vaccines because re- they don't protect you from passing on or getting infection. They're not typical of what we used to see in other vaccines, stimulating your immune system through injecting some portion of a virus or something like that uh, to get your immunity up and ready to fight something which comes to you. This is different. This is more an experimental biologic product. It's not a true vaccine and the term experimental actually points out that we are in third phase of the study, the trial. We haven't actually got the trial results and so in fact we don't really even know what is in the vaccine. We don't have the list of the ingredients which is not necessary that they be supplied to us uh, according to the rules until sometime in 2023. So really what we're seeing is an experimental product rolled out on the population of Canada and the world without consent, in other words, without consent, knowing that one is in a, a trial. Certainly it's not informed consent because we don't even know the ingredients of the product. And finally, we've, the, the animal studies which were done prior to the rollout of this vaccine were very brief. They were not independent. And according to the Nuremberg Code, of course, you have to have animal studies done before you're able to proceed with human studies. So this seems to break the Nuremberg Code. Now why should we be concerned about this so-called vaccine? Well, One is we we know, at least from the manufacturers uh, discussion of the vaccine and their statements, it has not been proven or shown to prevent infection, that means it will not prevent you from catching the disease COVID-19 and will not prevent you from passing on COVID-19. So the advice is that we're going to continue to wear masks and social distance, lockdowns and so on will not be stopped by rolling out this vaccine even if you were to vaccinate the entire world. So things will not change. It will not stop the so-called pandemic because if we do not stop contagion we will never reach herd immunity. And if we don't reach herd immunity then the virus will continue to spread in our communities there's something else that we need to be concerned about when they did studies on messenger rna vaccines before in animals but also they did something very similar in children If we look at the animal studies alone we see that they had this peculiar phenomenon with coronaviruses called pathogenic priming if you know what it's like to get a bee sting, sometimes the first sting is not a problem, but for people that have allergy to bee stings, it's the second one that causes the swelling, shortness of breath, the generalized inflammation, and anaphylaxis, where people are sometimes hospitalized. With patholo- pathogenic priming, this characteristic of coronaviruses when they were trying to make vaccines out of them, the first shot or the second causes an antibody rise, which is significant and most of the researchers, manufacturers are quite thrilled with that. Mm-hmm. But when they gave the animals a f- exposure to the wild virus, they developed this generalized inflammation, this immune system override, which caused many or most of the animals to die. So SARS after SARS-1, 2003, they made quite a few attempts to create coronavirus vaccines, similar to what we're seeing today. But these caused this pathogenic priming which killed most of the animals. They did a similar thing in the late 1960s with children with respiratory syncytial virus. They had 35 kids. They gave them the the vaccine. They seemed to have good antibody responses. But when these children, these 35 children were exposed to the real virus in the community, two of them died and 80% of them were hospitalized. Again, this showed a form of preparing the immune system to overreact when exposed to the real virus. So we have to be very cautious. And in fact, many vaccine advocates recommended that we, ex- we proceed with extreme caution, not at warp speed to roll out a coronavirus vaccine for the whole world. So this is very much an experiment. And I would say for you that, you know, you don't want to rush necessarily to be in the front of the line for an experiment like this. There were quite a few categories that were not tested in the trial, including pregnant women, but also the frail elderly were not included in the trials. And so we do not know what the effects will be on these pop.
2: Uh, I'm just going to stop them right there. We do so. <laughs> it's killing them.
1: <laughs> populations. Already we're seeing that people are having anaphylaxis and autoimmune uh, responses to the vaccines. And, you know, we have the Pfizer vaccine and we have the Moderna vaccine here in Canada. And already we're seeing people having reactions to this. Uh, that are immune oriented. Some of them are occurring quite quickly, but we don't know what's going to happen in the long term. The trials themselves really only went for two months in humans. And so we really do not have long-term data. Another thing we have no idea about because we didn't check this out with animal studies, is the fact that with M messenger RNA vaccines, which are designed to target, to create (laughs) and target a protein on the coronavirus spike, known as Cyncytin-1, we did not check its effect on this Cyncytin-1, the same protein, which is found in the placenta and also in sperm. Now the problem there, or the issue is that if we create an allergic reaction, allergic response to a protein in the placenta and in sperm, this could have disastrous effects on fertility of people that take uh, this vaccine or this shot. It is truly an experimental product. And we may find and it has been warned by some of the top scientists that the risks of infertility by taking this shot may be extremely high of course we kind of wonder do we really need to give a vaccine to younger age groups where the infection survival rate ifr was 99.9 percent and above and so really it's not highly recommended and in fact in young people it's discouraged i would say At least I would certainly discourage it because the risk of getting the disease is so much less than the risk of taking the vaccine.
2: And right there is is where we'll end it. So what I'll do is I will post this up on uh, the Telegram page so that if you guys want to watch it in its entirety, you can find it there uh, obviously it's just a wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of just reassured some of the stuff that a lot of you and myself have already known that there was just no, there's no long-term effects, uh, studies done on it. Um, it was, they did actually do a quick animal study on it and it was basically killing them all. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. It's, it's, it's an experiment and, uh, you have had the right, we have had the right to, um, uh, not we don't have to participate in human experiments since, uh, since the Nuremberg trials in the '40s after World War II. So all of this, all of this is just—it's it, an overreach. It's a fascist overreach. Any any government or country that is is participating in this is basically acting fascist. Truth be told, <clears throat> now. What I want to do here, um, seeing that we're running a little bit over on this show, is I want to switch gears and I want to go south of the line. And uh, a lot of you are quite aware of what's going on here with Mike Mandel from MyPillow. Um, he is the CEO of, of uh, MyPillow. And what he's done is he's come out with, uh, it's about a, I think it's about an hour and a half long video uh, proving election fraud. So, so some of the information that he's been privy to, he's sharing. Now there, it, there was a lot of good stuff in here, but the reason I want to support Mike Mandel is because he is uh, becoming victim to what this show CPR Canadian Patriot Radio has also been a victim to, which is censorship. He's basically been deplatformed on every every major platform, uh, including like everywhere he sells his product. He they're they're actually deplatforming him on on all of it because he's come out with this stuff. But there's a little clip here that I want to play for you guys, and I'll describe um, what it is we're looking at. It'll be kind of tough for you guys to, to do it without the description, but it's it's a map of the U.S., and it's showing the election in real time. And uh, we'll just play it, and I'll pause it whenever there needs to be more description.
6: That is the point at which the vote is stolen at the transfer points. That's what you're watching, those packets moving, is, is, is that real-time, documentation of the theft of the vote from inside this country and then the numbers the last column those document exactly the numbers of votes it shows in some of the cases Antrim County where the vote was stolen and exactly the vote stolen at at the exact time stamp of when they were stolen
2: so it's showing a a basically a live feed of a map of the U.S. and it's showing uh, basically internet traffic uh, into specific states. And it's showing these uh, actual packets coming from overseas to each one of these counties. So that's what they're describing right now.
6: The number stolen at that
0: point. So Mary, so what you're saying, how is, is, uh, and this is what what I already know, And but I actually I'm learning a lot here as we go. Um, what you're saying, every one of these lines, let's say we did take Antrim County, and we took that, we could pull out the timestamps for that county, and we could show the lines, the country that did it. We could show a line for every single hack or attack that we had in this election.
6: That's right. Wow.
0: So what you're
6: watching is those objects moving are the actual files right. that are being received and sent.
0: These are the every these are the those. squares here that are that are being sent. So everybody out there, what you're looking at, I mean, this is the proof. So if any, if like Antrim County, that case is still open, you just go, here you go. Now you know who did it, how many votes flipped, when they did it, what time they did it, the computer it came from, the country that attacked us. I mean, this is this is what I have been excited about, and I only seen one. Do you know, Mary, I only seen one little line of that which showed the IP address, that, you know, all that stuff that you're showing us. When I found out that you had it for every, or that we had it, that all these people had this, for every single vote, every single attack, and whether it was successful or not. Look at right now, we got up on the screen. Georgia is just getting attacked. It was just getting attacked up here at that moment in time. And I and I suppose, uh, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They, they did the biggest attack right here. Look at everybody. Georgia and Michigan getting bombarded. They, I, my guess is that was probably like three or four in the morning when they really needed them votes to be flipped. Um, Mary, this is incredible.
6: Yes, because there is proof positive. There is documentation of all the foreign interference into our election showing exactly who stole the vote, how they stole the vote, from which computers, access to our election, to which computers they went into. So understand that cybersecurity experts that work for this country Put all this in place before the election even started to make sure that they caught all of this information so that foreign adversaries were not deciding our elections
1: yeah. this clip of Pitbull talking about communism's been
2: so there you have it um what mike mandel brought forward was actual the actual proof that has been collected uh and you've you heard them you you heard what they said uh when when exactly um each each vote was either flipped or 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 what they the packets they were basically sending to the U.S. Uh, uh, and th- in this video they were highlighting Georgia and Michigan, but you can actually see it. They actually have access to the IP address. They know what country it came from. All of it is right there in this video. So it's getting interesting south of the line because uh, the the evidence that has come out now. Is, is unbelievable. And, the, and then the the attack going on towards Mike Mandel for bringing this out is is just something, it's phenomenal. It's something out of a horror novel really. <laughs> That's something we've kind of experienced here. Okay, one more quick little tidbit and then we'll get into the news that I've, about the show that I've got for you guys. But there's one more article that I wanted to cover on this one. And this comes to us from Wire Daily News. The title reads, There is something very curious happening with the Trump, with Trump's election lawsuit. This comes to us February 7th, 2021, today. <clears throat> and it goes as follows. If you ask any liberal on Trump's election lawsuits, they'll surely make a blanket statement like he's lost every single one of them. Although this is very far from the truth. What no one is talking about is just how many lawsuits there are and the fact that Trump is still fighting and still winning. Check out this brilliant analysis. First off, there are 80 total lawsuits. 34 have either been withdrawn, consolidated with other suits, or dismissed due to legal technicalities, such as lack of of standing, timing, or jurisdiction. Those judges who dismissed suits never heard the actual evidence of election irregularities and or fraud, since they did not allow it to be presented in their courtrooms. Such cases cannot be counted as a loss for Trump. If anything, there are evidence of failure uh, if anything, they are evidence of failure of our judicial system at the moment of national crisis, actually address election fraud. Of the 46 remaining lawsuits, 20, 25 cases are still ongoing so that the winner and loser of these cases is yet to be determined. While 21 have been completely adjudicated, these are cases where the court heard arguments, considered any relevant evidence, and then issued a formal ruling on the merits. You may be surprised to learn that of these 21 cases, Trump has won 14 and lost 7. In other words, Trump has won two-thirds of these cases to date that have been adjudicated by the courts. Do not expect to hear this on any of the evening news. John Droz notes separately that despite the widespread allegations of massive voter fraud, only three of these lawsuits um, materially deal with voter irregularities. Citizens voting twice, votes from deceased persons, etc. Interestingly, all three of these cases are still open. Further, just three lawsuits addressed voting machine inaccuracy, inaccuracies, purposeful or accidental. One of these was dismissed due to jurisdiction. One was ruled against, although no discovery was granted. And one is still open. Discovery was granted. The likely explanation for so few cases in these areas is that legally prov- uh, proving fraud or voting machine manipulations are very time-consuming process, are a very time-consuming process. That the, uh, require they, they require substantial investigative work and documentations. documentation. There simply wasn't enough time to do this prior to key points in the process, like the Electoral College. Uh, well, that's a far cry from the Dem claim that Trump is being laughed out of the courts with these lawsuits. In fact, it is, in fact, the fact is this battle is still going on, and at some point, we're going to get the truth. So, a couple of just a little interesting tidbits of what actually is going on south of the line, because you know, right now, um, the, especially the American mainstream media and the Canadian ones. The Canadian mainstream media is so complicit in this whole thing. It's unbelievable. They're just pretending that it's all f- forward ahead. It's all over. Besides the fact that we have this pending impeachment scam. Another impeachment scam. But I'm ab- I'm absolutely loving this because I'm hoping that Trump himself testifies. Because uh, the insight on that is the fact that it sounds like Trump is going to expose the other side of what they're doing if he gets to testify. And he's going to bring uh, big portions of what we just heard you know some of the the irregularities that they can prove to this impeachment trial so you know they're impeaching him on what th- that he was inciting violence <laughs> during his speech uh, uh, on Capitol Hill meanwhile there was people attacking uh, Capitol Hill even before he was done his speech so who were these people I mean th- we've gone through this before we know it's all BS anyway so, that's where we are going to stop this. the actual articles for this show and we're gonna get into a little bit of news about the show here. So I have been doing a little bit of fancy footwork uh, in the background here because I wasn't just going to roll over and uh, and let this censorship stand. So one thing I have been doing was I actually set up another channel Um, I abbreviated the name so it's obviously just CPR And the show is back up on a lot of the major platforms. Um, CPR is up on Spotify. Uh, Just let me go through this with you. Uh, It's back on Radio Public. It is on Google Podcasts. And it's on Breaker. Now, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to post the links to the Facebook page. uh, Because I do find that, yes, they've got it up on the, they know it's me. There's no way they don't. (laughs) because <laughs> i continued the episode count nothing changed it's the exact same show i just abbreviated it and, and put it back and put it back up on all the platforms but believe it or not, um, i think i think it could be there could be a few reasons why they're letting it go um but regardless you're not going to find it when you search it um, that's one thing I found maybe you guys will have more success th- than I did on these platforms but I couldn't find them actually just searching it, searching it on the platform so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna post the links to the Facebook page I'll put them in the telegram room um, and then uh, once you've got it you've got it so who knows if this is permanent but um, we did sneak through a back door uh, around the censorship here just by abbreviating the name <laughs> and obviously re- you know I, I started a new uh, a new profile but the show is actually back up on, on a lot of the major sites. Now, the other news I've got for you guys is the website is up and running. So, uh, I am limited to putting just the most recent show on the page, but uh, there is a pop-up that comes up that will get you over to SoundCloud, and uh, if you click on it, you'll find everything on SoundCloud. So, if you if you prefer going through the website, or you just want to use the website for the latest episode, Every time I record a new episode, the newest one will be on the webpage. So if you've never gone to the the, uh, actual website before, it's CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. That takes you there and then if you scroll down right to the bottom, you're going to find the latest episode uh, that has been released and it will always be there. Um, It has a link to SoundCloud and away you go. So, um, That's the news that I kind of wanted to share with you guys. So uh, the website is up and running. Uh, and we are back on some of the major platforms like Spotify with just an abbreviated name, which you guys know because we say it every show. <laughs> it's CPR. So this, I haven't been sitting on my hands this this whole time. I've been uh, actually trying to work to get some stuff done. Now the holdup with the with the uh, the website was I got told to go down a path that I didn't necessarily have to go down. Um, so. It seems to be working the way I wanted it to, and provided SoundCloud stays true to us, then that's the way we'll stay. So like I said, it'll just be the latest show on the website. So every time there's a new one a new one posted, you can just go right to the website and click on it and away you go. Or if you guys are liking the SoundCloud format, then just stay on SoundCloud, keep listening to us there. I personally like the site. Um, so far, SoundCloud has just been a dream to, d- to deal with. I like them. Um, and then, uh, and now we've uh, basically quarterback snuck ourselves back onto the major platforms. So if you do prefer Spotify or if you're a breaker person or radio cast or whatever it is that you prefer, then you just have to search CPR. Like I said, you might have a hard time finding it. So just watch the Facebook page and we will put the links up there today, actually. Today is the 7th. They will be up there tonight. So with all that being said, I had one of those shows where I was tripping over my tongue quite a bit. So uh, thanks for bearing with me. I don't know what was going on with my reading, but it happens sometimes. <laughs> anyway, with all that said, um, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook. It's Canadian Patriot Radio. The message button comes directly to me. A lot of you guys are using it quite frequently, which is great. Um, another, uh, the other way to find us is the website, canadianpatriotradio.ca. Or if you prefer email, it's Radio at gmail.com. Either any one of those methods, you can actually, uh, uh, come directly to me. You can, uh, yay or nay the show. You can, uh, whatever you want. If you have input or some, some articles that you want me to cover on the show that maybe I haven't been covering, then send them my way. So, uh, exciting times. There's a lot of stuff going on. Eventually the website will have merch. Uh, now that the website is up and running, the next, um, the next stage is to get the merch all ordered, uh, get it up on the site, and if you guys like what you see, then you can order it. So <clears throat> that's coming, but uh, as of right now, the website is finally running. That's why I'm finally giving you the uh, website address, which is canadianpatriotradio.ca. Okay, my friends, Uh, we ran over a bit on this one, but that's okay. It's uh, like I said, it was one of those weeks where I was having a hard time getting on the air because I was doing a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, I'm glad to share all this news with you guys. I'm glad that we are kind of finding the loopholes and getting around some of the censorship. And uh, hopefully we're back up on all the major platforms soon. The only one that is still holding out is uh, iPodcast. Uh, So uh, Apple is kind of holding out at this point, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, You know, and this probably isn't permanent. I'm fully aware of that, too. They're going to figure it out and and probably block me. But, I mean, if I have to abbreviate and just, you know, I can continue to mess with them as they mess with me. So it's going to be a give-take thing, I guess. Anyway, my friends, um, thanks again for tuning in. And uh, until next time, with all thy sons command. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.